The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome back to another edition of NFL University, the show where we educate you on all things across the National Football League landscape. I'm Steven Serta of Arrowhead Pride. NFL University is brought to you by DraftKings. DraftKings Sportsbook is an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app today and use code SBNNFL for a special offer when you sign up. That's code SBNNFL only at the DraftKings Sportsbook. So last week on this very show, we mocked our top picks 1 to 10 in the NFL draft. This week we are going to go... 11 to 20 and kind of give our thoughts on each pick why we think that player is going to go to that respected team and then later on in the show we've got a special guest nakobe dean georgia linebacker national champion buckus award winner all american all sec projected first round pick is going to sit down with us we're going to talk to him about the upcoming nfl draft and, and try to get some stories about that national championship Georgia team. So let me welcome in Justice Mosqueda of Acme Packing Co., as well as Kyle Posey of Niners Nation. Let me run through our top 10 picks from last week. We had number one, Aiden Hutchinson, number two, Malik Willis, number three, Kayvon Thibodeau, number four, Trayvon Walker, number five, Evan Neal, number six, Kenny Pickett, number seven, Derek Stingley Jr., number eight, Kyle Hamilton, number nine, Iki Aquanu, and number 10, Ahmad Gardner. Fellas, we begin today with the Washington Commanders, who have plenty of needs uh, all along the roster. They need an offensive tackle. They need a cornerback. They need a defensive back, linebacker, all of that stuff. Plenty of holes uh, for the Washington Commanders. Where do you guys feel like this team could be looking with the 11th overall pick in the NFL draft? Um, Where shouldn't they be (laughs) picking is the real question. Um, It seems like wide receivers are a pretty popular choice for them. Is this about the sweet spot where we start to see a wide receiver run, especially considering like what we've done so far? Uh, there is no wide receivers off the board yet. Well, Justice, what do you think? I, I think so. I mean, just the way that the board's shaken out and the way that the guys have come off the board um, and how we drafted them, I would think it's either down to wide receiver in this situation or Charles Cross, the left tackle from Mississippi State, because I think – you know, he, he's going to be a high-end, you know, pass-blocking bookend immediately. He came from the air raid system, played for Mike Leach. There's some questions about, like, what he can necessarily do in the run game immediately, but, like, he's a dancing bear right now. If you want it to, him to be a pass-blocking left tackle, like, you could plug and play him. I guess the question is, like, where do you see more improvement? Like, the jump from cross from Char- Charles Leno at left tackle or <laughs> – the jump at wide receiver three over like Cam Sims or Daimi Brown. I mean, like what what the heck's gonna happen with him if if they're another the receiver? Yeah, exactly. Um, so if we're going that route, we have Terry McLaurin, Ohio State. We have Curtis Samuel, Ohio State. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Chris Olave, Ohio State. Just give Carson Wentz zero excuses because he has plenty of pass catchers. Alave, which um, you guys talked about, I imagine, um, the episode I didn't. <laughs> I, I had some technical difficulties going on. So Olave does warrant this high of a selection. And people were surprised when he ran fast. I think when you're watching these wide receivers and it doesn't look like they're moving fast, like there's a reason. In, in Olave's case, 
all you hear about is he's smooth. He's this, he's that. Well, he's running very fast and he makes all of his routes look the same. And when you do that, <clears throat> when you do that, it's like you're throwing guys off, especially for cornerbacks. And you can see whatever route he's running, a curl, a slant, a deep route. Eventually, he's going to get a step on you. When you are consistently doing that, you can fly, you can run. And of course, like he makes acrobatic catches and, you know, um, he can get open at every level and that does matter. But I, I think that, you know, when we're talking about consistencies in the NFL, when we're comparing draft prospects, he's a lot like Aiden Hutchinson of the wide receivers for me. And I think he can actually, he actually has a higher ceiling. So I'm going to go Olave. I think that we have not seen the best of him yet. Remember, he did play with a freshman quarterback. I'm on board with Olave to Washington there. Uh, first wide receiver off the board, the fantasy assets, stack them for Carson Wentz. I love Terry McLaurin. It doesn't seem like they're actually trading him, but this is the time of year where we get all those rumors that teams are, might move this guy for the right offer. Teams might move this guy ahead of the NFL draft. Our, our mock drafts are all over the place because you do so many of them that you then have to start kind of shaking things up. And so we've seen all these guys all over the board, but in uh, depending on how you kind of rank these wide receivers, um, you know, there are a, a lot of them. You know, Drake London is the top guy, Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave. I really like Olave as a player, so I'm, I'm fine with that. And that that group of offensive weapons, and I like Antonio Gibson, too. Maybe that uh, is actually going to be a formidable passing attack for Carson Wentz. Until Carson Wentz goes full Carson Wentz. Yeah. I think Until- my question would it be a surprise to see Olave be the first wide out on the board? Because it seems like it's pretty consensus, whether it's, you know, a USC London guy, but um, I don't think I've seen Olave as like wide receiver one in a mock draft. I don't think so. Just because people seem so hyped about Wilson, but again, I, I, I think Olave is the best receiver out of that whole bunch. I think people just got bored with him. Honestly, like he just had the production for what, three years in a row. He's like all, all big, uh, 10 the so. same guy each year too yeah i mean he's calvin ridley without you know the the controversy <laughs> i guess if calvin ridley never made a betting account that's who chris Olave is great <laughs> right. analysis right there yeah i i wouldn't be shocked to see him be the first wide receiver off the board because yeah I, I think that with this class and, and it kind of can be said as a whole you know with the, the talent and this being kind of viewed as a down NFL draft class for the most part. I feel like we're just, there's kind of a group of wide receivers where you're like, Oh, any of those dudes could be the first wide receiver off the board. You wouldn't really be shocked. So, and, and especially with Washington where it's like, maybe it's the smart move for them to take a tackle, but then Chris Olave's there and they're like, all right, we're taking another wide receiver. And uh, Carson Wentz is just going to have to run for his life. <laughs> That's just the way this thing is going to go for Washington. So I'm, I'm cool with Olave at number 11. Uh, Number 12, the Minnesota Vikings. The Vikings are kind of one of those weird NFC teams. Uh, You know, Kirk Cousins obviously going to be there for the near future. They got Justin Jefferson, who is supremely talented, one of the best young wide receivers in the NFL. Dalvin Cook. uh, And, you know, they they still have some pieces on that defense, but it is a roster that kind of aged itself out. So they've still got a lot of holes that they need to find. They need a cornerback. They need a guard. They still need to address that offensive line just kind of in general a little bit more. They need another edge rusher probably, though they do have Zadarius Smith and Daniel Hunter. Where do you guys feel like the Minnesota Vikings could be going at number 12? Another team with a lot of holes, man. You just mentioned a lot of positions, and I would probably put interior defensive line up there as well. But – is this a spot where you really want to take one of those Georgia DTs? Probably not. It feels like, you know, um, five or 10 picks too high at best. So cornerback makes a lot of sense. We have my boy Cam Dantzler, who did not get off to the greatest start <laughs> um, just with his, in his Vikings career. And other than that, we have Patrick Peterson, who's probably on his last leg. And that's not a knock on Patrick Peterson. He's just getting up there in age. So cornerback makes sense to me. Uh, we already have Derek Stingley on the board. Um, Ahmad Gardner's gone too. So do you want to just keep going down the list there? It's it's tough, man. Justice, where are you going to go? Yeah, it would have to be McDuffie, right, in terms of the cornerbacks, you would think, um, just in terms of the rankings. I haven't studied the cornerbacks as in-depth as some of the other positions. But one that's interesting to me, it seems like everyone is really excited about Jermaine Johnson. Um, KP can probably talk about him <laughs> a little bit as a Florida State fan. 
I don't understand him going in this range, but it seems like he's going to go in this range. And as someone who's seen Zadarius Smith play, he is best when you can move him around the line of scrimmage, which means you have to have a third guy playing on the edge pretty frequently, right? Like, remember when the Packers signed Preston Smith and Zadarius Smith the same offseason? They still spent that first-round pick on Rashawn Gary because he was still going to get playing time as an edge rusher, right? So if, if you're going to play some of those games, maybe Zadarius Smith does help your interior defensive line because he's going to be kicked in inside, you know, on, on a down-to-down basis. And, Where he's you know, very good, by the way. Extremely good. And, you know, he has Mike Smith there, the former Packers outside linebackers coach. Uh, Mike Pettin is in the building in Minnesota. So it's not like these are guys who are unfamiliar, don't know how to use Zadarius. You would think that that was kind of the game plan if he was willing to turn down the Baltimore Ravens contract to, you know, a, a team that he had played with previously to play with so, well, someone else. So maybe this is where Jermaine Johnson goes. How do you feel about that, KP? Because when I watch Johnson, I don't see a great athlete um, in terms of like his bend and stuff. He is certainly a high effort player. I think he's going to be a very good run defender, just like the moment he comes into the league. But I don't really see him as like a great pass rusher. And I don't even necessarily see the upside. A fun fact, um, his dad, I live next door to him, uh, the year that he was Jordan, the year before he trans, (laughs) Trent Wright, (laughs) the year before he transferred to uh, Florida State. So, like, I have a pretty good idea of who he is, uh, who he is as a player. And to me, he hasn't really changed much. Um, So it's kind of funny to see the projections just because the numbers are there. Like, he had a chance to play and he put up certain numbers and you see certain clips. But the the clips that I see on Twitter are not going to be the clips – the way that he wins in the NFL, like in my mind, and this sounds terrible. He's like a six tech run defender guy. Who's just going to set the edge, which there's value in that. I'm not taking that away at all, but if I needed a pass rusher to win on third down and I'm going to rank the guys, I don't know that Johnson is a guy that I would take in the first round. Actually, I'm I'm confident that he is not a guy that I would take in the first round. So again, I think it just comes back to a production, um, he I, he tested relatively well. He tested he did run well, so you do have to give him credit for that. Maybe it, that was just a surprise for some people, and of course you have like the whole postseason bump in general. But if that if it comes down to Johnson or like a cornerback, I'm taking the cornerback. But I don't think McDuffie's as good as people are saying either. Actually, I'm actually confident that he's not as good as I think his teammate is much better. So if anything, I go Kyler Gordon here from Washington. But that might be even a touch high considering who's still on the board. Um, the players that we're mentioning just don't feel like players you should take at this point in the draft. Which, this is sorry, this is what we get to the spot, right? This is yeah. this is what we're talking about when we're saying like the high end of the draft is actually not that good, right? That that's the conversation we're having. Let's put in Johnson. I'm I'm looking at the consensus draft board. He's the third highest player available behind Cross and Garrett Wilson. And if they're not going to go with either one of those, I feel like we should just plug and play Johnson just because. He's going to have to go somewhere, and we're not fans of him, but he's going to go somewhere, and he's going to go in this range. Who's the other edge available right now? Uh, uh, Karloftis, probably. Okay. Yeah, Karloftis is better than Johnson is. Not I it's agree. particularly close. Um. <laughs> so we're going to go with Jermaine Johnson? Or yeah, well, but still. No, screw that. Let's go with uh, the guy who actually produced for multiple years and probably is going to be a better NFL player right away. Oh. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if the Penn State dude is better than Johnson, too. Avakedi is good. I like yeah. him. He's going to stink it in the first round. He I believe run, it. Man. Like, he can actually move, like, effortlessly move is the, the better way to put it. So, Jermaine Johnson. So, after one. all that, Jermaine Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> number 12 to the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, yeah, like we mentioned, it's once you get outside the top 10 in this draft, it's like you're just projecting a lot of guys who are like, I don't know if I'd take them at 15 or whatever, but that that's just the players that are available in this NFL draft. So, so we Jermaine, talk every year about like the NFL draft and how there's 15 first round draft picks, 16, 17, like at the most, how many first round actual first round talents are in this draft? It's probably not more than 11 or 12, right? Like we're, we're there right now. Right. Yeah. I mean, in, in terms of the guys still on the board, I think like cross, Karloftis, Jamison Williams? Like, those are the guys that, like, in every draft class, these guys are always first-round picks. And we're at pick 12 already. Love it. (laughs) Best of luck, NFL. (laughs) 
it's going to be a good year for rookies in the NFL. We'll see, we'll see what happens. Uh, number 13, the Houston Texans. Uh, obviously, they've got a lot of draft capital coming up here in the near future. Uh, they still have a ton of needs. They are not a very good team. But it seems like if we're to believe what the Houston Texans are saying, Davis Mills is going to be their starting quarterback moving forward, at least for next season. So I don't think we need to worry about the Texans being like a wild card and going and grabbing a quarterback or something at number 13. Uh, they need help along the offensive line. They also need a cornerback. They need an edge, need another wide receiver. They don't have a lot of playmakers on that offensive side of the ball. Is Houston a team? Like, can we see another wide receiver here? Because we just talked about how bad our available edge rushers are. So maybe that's where they want to avoid going right here at 13. Man, um, this would be the spot where they probably should take a tackle, right? Like if if they were if ever Cross is to take there, a tackle, just if Cross sprint to the podium, there, just run to the podium because they they swung and missed on Titus Howard in 2019, and they've needed Chucker. a right they've needed a right tackle ever since then. So if you really are building around Davis Mills, and I understand, you know, you want to grab a wide receiver. This is a deep wide receiver class. I, I think you could find. Speed, right? If, if that's really what you're looking for, you can find speed somewhere. You can draft Christian Watson, you know, the, the next round or whatever. Um, if you could pair Laramie Tunsil and Charles Cross, imagine coming into this draft and you get told, hey, you got Kayvon Thibodeau with the third overall pick somehow. P- people fell out of love with him. And you got probably the best pass blocking tackle in the class. And he's not even going to play left tackle for you. He's going to play right tackle for you. You got to be happier than a pig and crap, right? If you're the Houston Texans, I'd pay to see those uh, those practice reps. That would be fun to watch, man. Yeah, exactly. I, I I think that's a slam dunk. If if I'm Lovey Smith, I'm definitely trying to to get that bookend. Yeah, I mean the best organizations, generally speaking, build through the trenches. And when you have an opportunity to take the best pass rusher and the best pass protecting tackle, they're available to you without having to you know move maneuver around or trade up. It seems like. It's too good to be true, so you shouldn't pass that up. Yeah, I think that they would like that. I think that's that board fell pretty good for the Houston Texans, and you get your cornerstone offensive lineman that can protect Davis Mills or whoever your future <laughs> franchise passer is because probably not going to be Davis Mills, but uh, he is going to be the guy next season. So I like Charles Cross there as well. Would they take a quarterback? Yes, yes. Whenever they take a quarterback with all those future draft picks that they have. Well, what I what I mean is, is there any chance that we're sleeping on the Texans taking a quarterback here? Because I haven't really seen much of that, and we know that just based on you know how this. I don't. I don't think so. I think they legit like Davis Mills. They saw enough. They saw enough, and he was. I mean, the whole thing with Davis Mills too is like, if you were going to spend that high of a draft pick on him, remember he was kind of a reach a little bit, or at least a riser in terms of what his draft stock was at the end of the season versus uh, where they actually ended up drafting him. It was much higher, right? The The whole plan is you're spending multiple years of investment in, in kind of developing that guy. That's not a guy you pull the rug on after the, the rookie season he had compared to what some of these other rookies put on the field. Right. I, I think it's fair. I mean, I don't necessarily know if I'd put all my eggs in one basket, but to at least see another season when you're, obviously going through a long-term rebuild. I don't see the issue with it. Yeah. I just, based on what they've said so far and like, they've been pretty adamant. Like we want to give Davis a chance. Like I I would be really shocked if they decide, especially in this class to go quarterback there. Uh, It makes more sense to, if they, if we really want to believe what they're saying right now to try to invest in that offensive line and see if you can give him a better chance next season. Cause he was, had some moments as a rookie and that roster was bad and they didn't have a lot of help for him either. So see what Davis Mills does. If he actually has some, some protection going into next season, uh, number 14, the Baltimore Ravens, they've got some needs as well. And I, I think this team is better than what their record was last season. We talked about all the injuries, that they had throughout the year and it led to them kind of having a a down back half of the season. They really need another edge rusher after the Zadarius Smith deal fell apart. So I I feel like that's probably where Baltimore is going to go unless they decide that they 
want to invest in some more weapons for Lamar Jackson or something like that. But a year after taking Rashad Bateman high in the draft, I have to imagine that they're going to try to go defense here. Uh, you went Penn State last year, and it freaking paid off. It might seem rich to go Penn State here again, but based on the players and athletes that they've been putting in the NFL, knowing Baltimore, knowing how they're probably going to put uh, – I don't want to pretend like I know how to say his name. Arnold is what I'll say. And knowing, knowing that they'll put Arnold in a position to succeed right away, it would be really hard for me to pass him up here, man. I think this is the Karloftis pick. I don't, I don't think Evacetti is going this high. But I, I, I do like the player. I think this is probably where you see Karloftis and all the people who overthought it and were like, he's not testing that well because they're comparing him at 275 pounds to like a 240-pound edge rusher. I like, no, cannot this guy is stand moving, that, man. This he's guy huge. is moving great. This guy and he, is moving great. He did great that in for a 23-degree weather. Yeah, he's rutted outside even though they have an indoor practice facility. It's in the background. <laughs> I, I couldn't guy. believe that pro day. That was very odd. <laughs> Yeah, I, I I think this is the Karloftis pick unless you go wide receiver. Like that, that's just what the decision is going to be here. This could be a sneaky spot for my guy Tyler Lindenbaum too. I feel like yeah, um, they need a center. You want to take some off of Lamar's plate? That would be a perfect pick. So um, edge rusher center feels like the way here. And, as and as an Iowa, Iowa offensive lineman, interior offensive lineman, ever done well with the Baltimore Ravens? It's hard never to, know. It's hard to tell. Never know. <laughs> Okay, so we going offensive line or we going edge here? George Karloftis or uh, – sorry, who would you mention the offensive lineman from Iowa? It was Linderbaum. Alan, but Linderbaum. It, it feels more realistic that they go edge. So um, invested in the secondary this offseason. you got Marcus Williams, uh, obviously Marlon Humphrey. You're going to get Marcus Peters back. So now you want to pair um, Odafe – again, I'm probably butchering that name – with another guy on the edge. And I think Karlo- – like. The Purdue guy, which is another name that's possible to say, um, I feel like he's going to be a guy who's going to be able to – you get him in the door, he's gonna, probably going to impress in training camp because he's been playing for a long time. And he's, the Big Ten has, like, quality tackles too, and he's beating them year after year after year. This was a guy who was supposed to go top five. Like, last year when you're looking at mocks after the draft, he was he like one, two, three, down the four. draft. First it was Ojabo who jumped in. Now it's Jermaine Johnson. Like, it, it's – I don't understand why people are falling out of love with this guy. Like he is athletic, he is large, he's productive, he is young. Like and he, he like, has ta- he's talented, he's beaten quality, he's beaten quality tackles. I don't I don't understand why people are falling out of love with Carlotta's, which is why it feels like such a Baltimore Ravens pick. Fair. Yeah. Let's go there. Yeah, it, it does seem like the Ravens are one of those organizations too that they always find edge players and like get the most out of them and, and, and turn those dudes into productive NFL players. So I would have to imagine they'd be happy coming away with that pick right there. So George Karloftis, the Ravens at number 14, uh, number 15, the Philadelphia Eagles. And they were actually involved in a trade yesterday with the new Orleans saints. Uh, the Eagles sent picks number 16 and 19, as well as 194 in the sixth round to the saints in exchange for number 18, number 101 in the third round, number 237 in the seventh round, and a 2023 first-round pick as well as a 2024 second-round pick. So Eagles kept their number 15 pick here and moved around a lot of draft capital because the Saints apparently want to move up. So we'll get to them here in a minute. The Philadelphia Eagles, I feel like they got to go wide receiver, right? But they've had some pretty bad luck with wide receivers in the past several drafts. I, I, you know, I'm high on Devonte Smith. I think he can still be a really good NFL wide receiver, but outside of that, they really got to add some weapons to this offense. Do you feel like the Eagles are going to go wide receiver at 15? I think they go corner. I think they, they look at their roster and you have Darius Slay, who was fine last year, but you know, he's been around for a while. And then opposite of Darius Slay, is going to be whoever is targeted a hundred times next season. So you probably want to invest in a first round cornerback here. I don't know who that is though. Like I think there are guys who are better than the guys who are being projected. Like McDuffie, I'm not so sure he's a top five cornerback, which might come off as a hot take. But if you were to ask me, if I were to ask the draft analysis, like where are you seeing these first round plays from McDuffie? I would imagine they have a hard time showing me that. So I'd feel comfortable Obviously, I, I think he's going through something, but 
Andrew Booth feels like a good guy for the Eagles, like for what they want to do. Um, again, I'm not sure how healthy he is, but I would go him. Uh, I would also go Kyler Gordon there too over McDuffie. But I, I imagine McDuffie's going to go high just because he's a clean, um, cleaner prospect. The other thing too is you have to think about it from this perspective. The Eagles have a pick, three picks after this, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. There's still wide receivers on the board. So you can still kind of like, as long as you like multiple of these wide receivers, one of them is going to be available. If there's only one corner, that's probably when you take the corner, right? Just in terms of scarcity. That's how these decisions get made. Yeah, you got the Saints, Steelers, and Pats next. So if the Pats are after you, you know they're probably thinking cornerback. So, yeah, yeah now would be the time. Um, uh, my, my answer would be Andrew Booth, honestly, because I think he's going to be just a – like he was a really good college player, and I, I think he's going to be a good pro. I'm fine with it. We're gonna gonna skip McDuffie and go go Booth to the Eagles here. That's that's totally fine with me. He's a uh, player, man. Number sixteen, the New Orleans Saints. Uh, as we just mentioned, they trade up with the Eagles. They need an offensive tackle. They need another wide receiver. Now there's a lot of hype around the Saints possibly wanting to move up to grab a quarterback, which that's. That that's the way we view these things, I guess. When you make trades in the NFL draft, you move up. It's always got to be for a quarterback. Uh, where do you guys think the Saints are going to go here? Obviously, they have Jameis Winston there for at least the next couple of years. See what they can get out of him. But maybe there is a guy that we're sleeping on at the quarterback position. They feel like they could draft here and develop him for a season or so behind Jameis Winston. I think the counter to that would be so we see the run on offensive tackles, and now we're at the bottom of the offensive tackle list. Well, the bottom of the offensive tackle list that are going to go high, and the Saints maybe feel like, hey, we got to get a guy, knowing that Teron Armstead is out of the building. So maybe this could be the floor of whoever the last offensive tackle available is. But I mean, it would make a lot of sense if it were a quarterback. Who that is, I don't know. But um, I wouldn't be surprised if it's still an offensive tackle, knowing that they don't have anybody there. Yeah, I mean, this is kind of open, right? It's wide receiver, offensive tackle, quarterback. I, I think it could be any of those. And honestly, quarterback, until this trade, right, wasn't really a position that people were really thinking New Orleans could kind of take. So if, if they're jumping the Chargers um, in, in this situation where they're picking one slot ahead of the Chargers, Trevor Penning would feel like a gut punch to the Chargers, right, where they're like, oh, my God, we almost got – the guy that could play right tackle for us. And now he's going to play left tackle for the saints. And now we're going to have to probably pivot to a wide receiver or something instead of getting Justin Herbert protection. But why would they pay Jameis? So his, his dead money is 15 million. Um, just giving him that type of money to invest in a quarterback that doesn't feel right. So, well, then again, as we talk about with the saints every year, who knows what they're doing with the salary cap. But anyway, yeah, I, I agree with that. I didn't know if pinning was the, the last name or I guess the next name up. But tackle, just the way that their roster is constructed, constructed makes a ton of sense. Yeah, after they lost her on Armstead, I, I think that Trevor Penning would make sense there for them. Um, and like the, the move up, it doesn't say to me necessarily quarterback because like we've talked about it. You feel like these other picks that they have uh, just a little bit down the line, number 19, like if there's a quarterback there, they could take the quarterback there, right? So you might as well take the offensive tackle here because he's the best tackle on the board. So that makes all the sense to me for the Saints. If you're worried about a wide receiver, like they have another pick coming up here soon, and they could take a third-round wide receiver, and he would probably be an upgrade of of who their quarterbacks were throwing to last year. So don't you worry. And they still have Michael Thomas coming back. So we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see uh, what the slant God can do uh, for the Saints after uh, a couple years of being injured. But so Trevor Penning there for the New Orleans Saints at uh, number 16, number 17, the Los Angeles Chargers. Uh, Justice mentioned it. They do need some offensive line help. We've talked a ton about that and, and Justin Herbert and the issues that they have there. Uh, they also need another wide receiver, another cornerback, possibly. Where do you guys see the Chargers going at 17? This wide has to be wide receiver. Those, yeah. Um, it's probably Garrett Wilson, right? And they're just saying, like, hey, Mike Williams, Keenan Allen, Garrett Wilson. I know Josh Palmer got some reps, but, like, Keenan Allen isn't going to be here forever. Take your time on the bench. You're going to be a wide receiver for And just, like, hey. This is an arms race, right? Like, whatever you're good at, get better at. Like, that's kind of been the mantra in the AFC West this whole offseason. So, if there isn't a tackle there, 
don't reach for it. Like just get a get grab the better player, get stronger at a position of strength, and then hopefully you figure that out. You know, next round or something. I'm taking Jamison. Uh, I know that he's hurt. Oh, I Love know it. I know that you know you might miss him for half a season or however many games. Let's say it's three fourths of a season. I have seen him run. I have seen him run against guys who I know run a four three. I've seen him run away from guys that run a four three. He moves unlike any receiver in this draft, I feel like. He can flat out fly. And that, think about what they could do with the space that the Chargers have in that offense, knowing if it gets to a scramble drill, Herbert just uncoordinated down the field to like that would be highlights on highlights. I and just as far as like the fit goes, you know, you can do a lot of things underneath quick to Jamison. Um when I think of how the Packers use Devontae Adams on like the nows and the bubbles out of number three in the slot, like that's what Jamison can be in the NFL, which uh, to be clear, I'm not saying he's going to be Devontae Adams, but his role could be just like that where it's slant, bubble, uh, now screen. And then of course you can go up top, post, down the field. And he's going to win a lot of those deep balls just because he's faster than the person trying to guard him. And then think about like slot phase too. You can do a lot with this player. And I think, man, We've only seen him one year in college. And if he's not hurt, where are we talking about him going? Probably top 15, right? So to get him here. Yeah, he would have gone above Olave, I think. Like, yeah. he, he probably would have been wide receiver one for me if he I, were totally healthy. No doubt about it. So you're getting a little bit of a discount here. And you got to think long term. You got to think that Herbert's going to be around for a while. So uh, that would be a tough pair, uh, a, a tough pair to pass up. So I'm going there. And we're also. Divisional rival there, Steve. We're, t- we're taking away a potential threat for Mr. Mahomes. So, yeah. Uh, I know. Me, uh, I, I love that pick for the Chargers. They need speed. They need a guy who can legitimately make big plays down the field. And we've seen Justin Herbert's cannon. I, I love that move for the Chargers. Um, that brings us to number 18, the Eagles back up here. So are we going to go on a wide receiver run here? If Jamison Williams goes to the Chargers at 17, is Garrett Wilson going to the Eagles at 18? I wouldn't do it. Just because it, and I, he's a better player than Jalen Rager, but this was kind of the way that Jalen Rager was talked about. Like He had a lot of pre-draft inconsistencies, whether, hey, he's not getting open against press coverage. He's not doing this. He's not catching the ball cleanly. And sure enough, in the NFL, those same problems have held um, Rager and really held him back. So I, I wouldn't go to another slot uh, playground type of wide receiver, which doesn't feel fair, but I think that's how you would lump these wideouts in. Um, so, yeah, I, I wouldn't go there, but, you know, wide receiver, might it might have to. Right? Uh, I mean, Drake USC, London, Drake London was, is still yeah, out there too. That's where I was going, the USC guy. So uh, if we really want to give Jalen Hurts like a target, like a legitimate target, and we know Devonta Smith, He's a good player, very good player. And a good compliment would be, you know, a big body guy who can win whatever, win underneath. I think Drake London is going to be a really good player. I've seen some of the comps for him, and I feel like they're a bit too high. But eventually he T- will be. T. Higgins is the one player. that makes the most sense to me. Which is, should be viewed like as a compliment. Yeah, for sure. You In a redraft, you take T. Higgins around, you know, this spot, which is kind of mm-hmm. – what I think fits in. So if, if we're going person uh, like uh play style types and Wilson isn't the fit, then I think it would have to be London. Okay. So we are going USC wide receiver, Drake London, number 18 to the Philadelphia Eagles. Garrett Wilson is still going to be on the board. Now we're back to the new Orleans saints. Once again, at number 19, uh, we already talked about their needs. So where do you guys see the saints going with their second first round pick? This has got to be Wilson, I feel like, right? I mean, they were in the wide receiver market. They were even talking to Marquez Valdez-Scanling before he ended up uh, signing with the Kansas City Chiefs. So you would think that, you know, wide receiver, which is, you know, a need moving forward. Plus, it doesn't seem like Michael Thomas is happy. Like, we'll we'll see what happens with that situation. I know right now they're saying, you know, he's going to show up and and he's under contract and all that stuff. But we'll see what ends up happening there long term. If the Saints can come out of this draft with Penning being their new left tackle and uh, Garrett Wilson being their new wide receiver, I mean, it's it's hard to come up with a better haul than that, right? Yeah, man. I mean, depending on – and I would take the best wide receiver available. I don't think that's Garrett Wilson, 
But I wouldn't be mad if it's like you wouldn't be disappointed at all if the Saints took a guy who could just create for himself and knowing Jameis, knowing, I guess, just their offensive structure in general, they're going to be able to create some space for Wilson. And they need guys. Like, if you think about it, if you if they do end up, who knows what happens with Michael Thomas, but there's no way they can roll out with Marquez Callaway, Traquan Smith, and whoever else, like little Jordan Humphrey. Like, what are we doing here? With all due respect, of course. Um, yeah, Gary Wilson would be the best player by far of any of those guys. So, and then if this is his range, if this is where he's more than likely going to go based on mocks, um, yeah, I would be fine with that. But there is a Georgia receiver who I would have no problem taking here. And I would actually encourage the Saints to take him here comfortably over Garrett Wilson. But I understand. The, the fit of Wilson with Winston would be really fun too, right? I mean, Wilson's whole thing is he's an outside guy who's an acrobat and has a ton of speed, right? And you have Winston who just has an absolute cannon, will throw it into double coverage, give you a chance to to make some of those acrobatic plays. Just from like an aesthetic perspective, I think it'd be fun. Like they're going to make for some fun highlight clips, some fun moments on red zone. Maybe it doesn't go right for the Saints every single time, right? Maybe some of those get intercepted, but it'll be fun along the way. The journey will be fun. Do you remember that game when he did get hurt before? I think it was Tampa Bay where he was just unloading nines and sevens and they were on the money. Like they were hitting his guys in stride. So having a guy who could actually run like Wilson would be fun to watch for sure. Yes. Let Jameis cook. I am about it. Let Jameis just sling the rock because football is more fun when Jameis can just uncork footballs 50 yards down the field. Will Jameis be a top 15 quarterback in 2022? I hope fantasy, so. I think. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I mean, fantasy fantasy well, for sure. Even the season where he threw 30 interceptions, he was still a good fantasy quarterback. So I don't care. Let him throw picks. As long as he's uncorking it, I don't really care what James Winston's doing because they were so conservative with him at times last year. I feel like with no Sean Payton, maybe Jameis is going to have a little bit more. He's of a- ready to let loose. Yeah. I love it. Team yeah. Jameis over here, baby. My answer is easy. Yes. Like, yeah, this Strickler, Sean Payton. it's also i i feel like michael thomas is like a huge question mark too because it's just been back-to-back years of injuries now and just like him not being on the field or being involved and he was unhappy the last time we really heard from him and now i feel like we haven't heard from him so i have no idea what's going on with i mean he was unhappy with the medical staff right like that's a whole other situation where like we we saw this with trent williams where trent williams was like no, you don't understand. I will hold out for an entire year. I will not play for this organization, right? Like, I could see it still, you know, boiling and this not being something that, like, he can really get past, which is why I was like, it It seems like he's going to report, but I guess we'll see, like, w- when it comes. Because until it actually happens, I'm not going to 100% assume that he's going to be a New Orleans Saint and fulfill, you know, the rest of his contract there. Will he be the same player? Yeah, well, and that's the thing too. It's yeah. just been so long since we've actually seen him play. <laughs> like, it's a different, it's a different team now. Like, it's just been two years basically. So we'll see. I love the Garrett Wilson pick there, though. I, I think that could be a really fun pick for the New Orleans Saints. Uh, moving on to number twenty, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now, the Steelers. There's been some reports floating around that they are doing a lot of due diligence on some quarterbacks. They signed Mitch Trubisky, but I think we can all safely assume that Mitch isn't going to be the long-term answer there. It was a pretty cheap two-year deal for him to sign with the Pittsburgh Steelers and get an opportunity to start and maybe see what they can do with him and the Steelers wide receivers. But do we think that it's realistic that the Steelers are going to take a swing on a quarterback at number 20 and actually just try to develop that guy behind Mitch Trubisky for a season or two? Malik Willis, QB power over and over and over again. Use Najee Harris out of the backfield. We, we had Malik. Did weapons. we have Malik going like two? <laughs> Malik went two to the line. He went, he went yeah. second overall, KP. <laughs> catch it. Catch up. Catch up. This is that the, was like nine is, years ago. This is the no way. This is the Ritter pick, right? If there's going to be a quarterback, I, I think, think it so. would have to be Ritter. I mean, they've had a personal interview with him. They had the uh, photo of like him and the entire Steelers staff, uh, <laughs> you know, going out to dinner at his pro day. It seems like there's some interest there. And if Pickett is gone, 
you know, the, the hometown guy who they certainly have a ton of intel on because they, you know, operate in the same facility, basically. And if Malik Willis is gone, you'd have to think Ritter is the next guy up, I would assume, unless they really liked Matt Corral for whatever reason. So thinking about Ritter's strengths and thinking about what Cincinnati asked him to do, and he's already comfortable with playing with a jump ball receiver, like a 50-50 guy, which they have on the roster, it seems like it would be a nice fit. And they do throw a lot of back shoulders, and it seems like they are they could do a lot more than they show, you know, with Big Ben this past season. So I, I could see Ritter helping them out quite a bit. I, I don't know what Ritter's ceiling is as an NFL quarterback, um, but I, I do think he improved this past year, and that's saying something because a lot of players just stay the same. So, um, yeah, I, I'd be interested to see Ritter in a Steelers offense because there is skill here, and, and that matters, especially for – you know, a younger quarterback who's just starting his feet wet. Another guy I'd be interested in here is probably Linderbaum, right? The Iowa center. And I don't even think he necessarily has to play center, right? Like the Steelers just need offensive line help. Play him somewhere. Because if, if he could block that well while he's snapping the ball, I'm sure he could only do it better when he's not snapping the ball, right? So and He's not scanning I, for pre-snap stuff. Exactly. So I, I feel like that's like a no-risk uh, draft pick that they can make and just like, hey, we have a dude and he's going to be great for 10 years and he's going to make five Pro Bowls and two All-Pro teams, you know. They, they signed James Daniels, another Hawkeye this offseason, so why not? Yeah, I just think that they're going to go quarterback. Like, I, I feel like their organization and the way they've drafted over the year, over the years and the stability of the Steelers. Like, I feel like they look at a player like Desmond Ritter and say like, Oh, we could, we could turn this guy into an NFL starter. And based on what we've seen from Ben, it's like, well, we know we can get that from Mitch at least <laughs> this season. And hopefully Ritter just continues to develop and he can be our guy for the future. So well, I, the other thing too is Colbert Colbert's on the way out, right? This is his last draft. This is his last first round pick. And, the people always underrate the general manager slash team president slash whatever executive you want to give them on the way out after being there a long time and saying, I want this to be my legacy on the way out, like on, on the way out the door. Right. That, that could be this pick easily. Right. I mean, he could say forever, even if he wasn't the guy to build the team around Ritter to say, Hey, I was the guy who took Ritter. I gave you the franchise quarterback on the way out after building some of these, you know, Super Bowl winning programs. Is there a position that's off the radar, like center, for example, that the Steelers could go here? Or like, is it just like, is it going to be quarterback? I think it could be. Uh, I mean, quarterback is just such a glaring need for them. <laughs> right. I mean, is there a, a circumstance with their linebacker issues over the last couple of years that they go linebacker or something like that? But they got, they got Miles Jack. They got Devin Bush. That's right. Alex Highsmith is like a – he's not a great pass rusher. I guess that's probably one that you could look at. But Sign does, Levi Wallace at cornerback too. So like that – I was right. thinking maybe cornerback because we have had a little run on cornerbacks. But they, they did sign Levi Wallace. So I, I don't know. I'm just throwing it out there trying to play a little devil's out. I mean, offensive line is a massive need, right? Yes. Like they, they could look at, you know, every position and, and kind of mix and match to get – What if a tackle falls here? Right. It, the thing is, it's it's tough to imagine a tackle falling beyond the Chargers, right? Which is maybe why New Orleans is going to take Penning ahead of them. Yeah, I I just think that they they've still got some needs, and I I do think that they really want to get a quarterback, but they may maybe know that he's not going to be the starter day one, but this affords them an opportunity. Like they're still going to be a competitive football team with Mitch Trubisky, or at least they think they're going to be and you know Mike Tomlin doesn't have losing records so they're they assume that they will be a competitive football team so I, I think quarterback is the move here for the Steelers those are our picks 11 through 20 uh, as we already mentioned we gave you 1 through 10 11 through 20 this week and next week we will finish off our mock draft go 22 32 in the first round but coming up next we sat down with former all-american linebacker and former georgia and future first round pick nicobe dean that's coming up next on nfl university another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where bank of america can help 
For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back into NFL University. I'm Steven Serta of Arrowhead Pride, joined as always by Justice Mosqueda of Acme Packing Co., as well as Kyle Posey of Niners Nation. And we have a very special guest, former Georgia linebacker, Nicobe Dean, national champion, Butkus Award winner, All-American, uh, All-SEC, all and projected first-round pick in the upcoming NFL draft. Nicobe, how are you doing today? We really appreciate you giving us some time. Doing good, doing well, working. Uh, we're, we're really excited to talk to you and, and try to get some stories about that Georgia defense and how incredible you guys were last season. But I wanted to ask you, uh, you didn't run at the Combine or your pro day due to a minor injury, but you said you were hoping to get that in sometime in mid-April. Do you still think you're going to be able to run for some of these teams ahead of the NFL draft? No, I, I, didn't, I, I, didn't, I didn't plan on getting in. Uh, it was – yeah, it came down after after pro day, just focus on getting my body right for minicamp. Yeah, for for sure. And uh, you know, you're a projected first round pick, and that Georgia defense was one of the college football stories of the season. Um, going into the NFL, are there some guys uh, that you're looking at right now that are currently on defense that you say to yourself, "That's a guy in the NFL. I want to play defense with that guy." And on the opposite side of the ball, on the offensive side, are there guys that you're like, "That's a guy I want to line up against," and that's a guy I want to compete against? Uh, yeah, on the, from a defensive standpoint, it's not. I mean, not necessarily. I, I got nobody specifically that I just want to. Uh, I'm just there to play with. You know, I will just be happy to whatever team pick me. You know, and I'll be ready to work. Uh, not against offense, uh, against guys I want to play against. It's, it's, this goes on and on. I'm going to play against everybody. <laughs> um, uh, it's nobody but specifically, but I guess, you know, Tom Brady, I get, I mean, he'll be remiss of me not to say Tom Brady, him, him being in the league as long as I've been born. So uh, being able to play against him uh, is going to be great. Let's talk Georgia because you guys are probably going to end up with your entire defense getting drafted at some point, which is nuts to say out loud, but – uh, some of the numbers that you guys put up, just historically speaking, like they don't compare to anybody. Um, who is the best player on the defense in 2021? And then project four years from now, who will be the best player then? Uh, that's, a, that's a good question. Man, we had a lot. We had a crazy defensive line, a crazy defensive line. Crazy front seven period, but the DBs wasn't liking neither. Um, honestly, I couldn't even say who who was gonna be who who was the best. You know, we was we we kind of pride ourselves on being a no name defense, and um, you know, I feel like the way we played and the way we rotated and everything allowed everybody to eat. You know, even when we people felt like they probably could stay on and have crazy stats, stay on the field the whole game which I would agree, but for us to be so unselfish to be such a no-name defense made us the, the, the defense that we were. And in the next four years, I hope everybody good. I hope we all, uh, <laughs> I hope we all, all, uh, all pro uh, pro bowlers, um, everybody from this drive and next year's drive who come out of Georgia. One of the interesting things when I watch you is I can't tell what you're reacting to or what you've just like studied so hard that you know some of these tendencies. So like the Michigan game, right? Where the the they're they're out and empty, they run the dang motion and it's that little bubble screen and you just right. come flying and you blow the guy up in the backfield. I mean, one you got to tell me what does it feel like and what's going through your head when when that play happens? Because me, 
I'll, I'll never make a play like that ever period. And I've never done it in the past. So you have to walk me through it. Is it something that you saw on film or is that something you just like, he's in motion. They're in four by one. Now, the only thing that, that, that guy can be doing is running a bubble. So I'm just selling out and blowing this guy up. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's both of them kind of, you know, uh, we, we looked on film, um, the way Michigan like to run, they, they was really a big run heavy team, but we kind of stopped the run a little bit. They, they kind of went to trying to spread us out, making us make open field tackles and things like that. But, um, it was with two man, uh, cover five, what we call it, two high safeties, everybody man underneath, a uh, four man rush. Um, running back split out wide, that's my man, so I gotta take him. So when you say, when you ask, was it reaction or, um, just watch the film, it was kind of both because you rarely did you see them, uh, actually throw it, but he always ran and he just kind of, uh, makes it they try to throw it to the, the routes downfield. He probably threw it like once or twice I seen on film, but, uh, I think when they when they knew it was man, it was like I seen him running. At first, I kind of jogged out of it because I thought he was just reload. Um, but when I seen him kept going, it was like, okay, I got to get on my high horse and I got to go. I got to run. So they, they, basically, that was just going through my head. I got to go and I got to make this tackle in the backfield. Was that what was you crazy. knew? Was that what you knew you were gonna beat Michigan? Was that the moment? Because they they came out the offensive line came out in the run the damn ball shirts right like oh, yeah. you, like we, you guys in the SEC hadn't ever seen a run game before <laughs> was, was that the moment or so you saw the shirts by your reaction you saw yeah, the shirts yeah we definitely we definitely saw the shirts um we I, I don't think I'm being honest, I don't think I saw it until after the game but uh covered the D line and told me that they seen it uh, pregame so but um. We knew they tried to run the ball. They all, we 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 don't. I won't say that we always listen to their press conference, but we like try to get a little nugget in here and here and there, like from what they said for the week. And, they, and I don't think they talked about how physical they was up front, how the O line had won the Joe Moore Award, how how good they were, how they just wanted to uh, beat us up physically. And I always talk about they um, beat Ohio drill. And the only thing I can think about is. We, we not Ohio State. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah, they, we knew they were going to try to come out and, be, you know, be try to physically. We did take it as a little bit of a sign of disrespect, talking about run, run the ball. Cause I feel like uh, our run defense has been some of the best in the nation, at least since I've been in college at Georgia. So I feel like we, we did – it was kind of pissed from uh, the, the game before. So it losing against Belmont in the SEC championship. So it was all that mixed up together. I think the, when you talk about the run defense, the way that y'all rally to the ball is pretty insane. Uh, Justice just talking about a play. I, I just got done watching you guys against Clemson, and there was a play. So it's two by two formation. They run a little swing screen to the field. You and Lewis seen, um, as soon as they do that, you go to the opposite side where they're running like their bubble. And that's exactly where the ball is going. So it was a film study. Uh, it helps to have a bunch of dudes running four fours out there. Don't get, no, like, don't get this wizard. That's why you guys make a lot of tackles. But I just think the way that you guys play in unison and sync is like a big reason why you had success. But I want to talk about like where the dog comes in. Um, is that from Kirby Smart? Or like when did you guys really flip that switch to you know not only do we have to play like athletes, but we have to really bring that level of physicality and take it to another level? I feel like most of the people uh, on our defense who was on our defense who came in, uh, they were already dogs. You know, I feel like everybody had was had that dog mentality for that George is just kinda everything got turned up, you know what I'm saying? So we always had like pursuit 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 drills probably once every week or twice a week where we balls to the wall, dropping back, they throwing the ball out there, we gotta pursue D line, gotta run to the ball, everybody gotta get to the ball, everybody gotta tag off or take a shot on the ball. And that's just uh, what we pride ourselves to. We, we played to the standard that we held ourselves to. And if you wasn't playing to that standard, you were held accountable. And it just it just kind of all basically playing to that standard just made us play like our head was on fire. You know, that passion we played with, that speed and everything. Um, playing this, knowing that we got to play to the standard every week was the thing that kept us ticking. We're about to learn about all your teammates, right? You're talking about all these guys in pursuit drill, both walkers, Sane, Wyatt, mm-hmm. Davis, you. We're going to know about all of you guys at the pro level, right? Give, give us a little bit of a look into their personalities. Do you have any 
like funny stories about any of these guys. I'm sure. I mean, you guys all came into the same draft class together and stuff like yeah, that, or uh, recruiting class together. You got to have something. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I don't know. Uh, I'm trying. I'm trying to think of a good story. There's a lot of. It's, it's definitely a lot of funny moments. Who's the uh, funniest? Who's the funniest out of all of them? Probably, probably George, George Davis. Yeah. He, he okay. Definitely, he definitely Just always talking. Oh yeah, he no. Nah, I won't even say he 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 big talkative. He's just the funniest. You can see him. At, you see. You can see him uh, like being like a um, an actor or something one day. Oh wow! Like you know how they bring celebrities in the WWE. You can see him like they bring him in there. He's doing a good job. You know, and being as big as he is, you know, he would have no problem uh, fitting right in. But Jordan Davis definitely one with the. Uh, I feel like who got the most personality. And then, I mean, from the guys you from the guys you name, it's um, it's nine days from personality. Like, I don't know, y'all don't know how Lewis is. Lewis, Lewis, a little different. You know, he from he from the north. <laughs> <laughs> like he from the north, he act a little different than like uh, most of us being from the south. Act, you know. So it's like, yeah, all our kind of personalities just just clash. You know what I'm saying? But that's what makes it fun, right? Definitely. Yeah. So with you and so many of your teammates, you know, projected as likely first round picks in the upcoming draft, is there do you guys have like a group chat? Is there a conversation like who's getting the next bar tab, who who's buying the next dinner, like based on who gets drafted first in the NFL draft? Uh no, we ain't talked about it. Uh, we ain't talked about it much. Um we're not we we don't have a group chat enough, but we all get together like for a workout or something. Like uh, I'm in Dallas right now. I'll be I'll be back in Georgia next week. And I'm sure everybody's gonna be together again for like the first time since the Natty um, on G Day, which is our spring game. We getting our rings. We getting our rings. So I push you gonna have a lot of jokes about uh, where people going out at. Cause at this point, all the pro days over with. Um, you know, really. So it's like it's just basically you you have meetings, you you talk to the team, you think about where you're gonna go. So I'm pretty sure we're gonna have them we're gonna have them talks. We joke about uh if, if somebody think they getting drafted high, we joke about hey, you're gonna have to lend me some money. Right. <laughs> when we get there. But uh you know, that's, that's about it. You know, it's, it's just fun. We we just all happy for each other to to be getting to the point where we, we had the ability to get drafted. Justice Roots for the Ducks. Uh how Dan Lanning, obviously DC Ducks coach. I don't know mm-hmm. how often, how much you got a chance to work with him. Obviously, you were close to him, but um, when did you know like he was the guy? When did you know that oh he's going to be something special? He was one of the main reasons I came to Georgia County. Uh, like uh, Dan Lanning was really like the first was the first coach who like came to see me in high school. I think I was ninth grade, tenth grade. He was in Memphis. He was at uh he was at Memphis um he was at Memphis school uh, University of Memphis so he came over and he was like, I just want to put my eyes on you I don't know if I'm gonna be able to get you here but I might get you somewhere down the road and you know it's it's crazy how you know it's crazy how things you know turn out but uh, I just like his energy I love his energy the way he um the way he wasn't afraid to take risks he knew and of course. Knowing his story, like how he came up and what everything he had to do, you know, to get the way he was at, it was like just knowing they just made everybody like kind of respect him more and and just his personality too. He got a, a fire personality, he's intense. He want to win, so I I like that. So I I knew when I when I got there, he was the he became the DC. So I I didn't really have too much of a relationship with Coach Tuck, which was the one before. And all my relationship was with him, so I always believe that he was gonna get us to where we need to be. And I'm I'm curious, Nakobe, like in this pre-draft process, NFL Combine, pro days, having meetings with teams and, and stuff like that, has there been a moment in this process where and you've already been on a huge stage at Georgia, national champion, all American, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Has there been a moment in the process where, you know, whether it was meeting a player, meeting a team, what whatever it might be, where you had to sit back and be like I'm really just getting ready for the NFL draft right now. Like I, I'm getting ready to go get drafted into the National Football League. Yeah, it was. I feel like it was definitely the moment when I got to the combine. It was like, man. I mean, it kind of it kind of sucked that I had you know I had a uh, 
had my little injuries, my little nicks and that there, um, that I wasn't able to perform. Cause I, I really, the whole plan was me for me to go uh, to come by, uh, run a forty, run do all the tests and do get on the field, uh, meet oh. the team, meet the teams, do everything. But uh, of course, of course, uh, my injury had uh, gave me a setback. So, so I was kind of, I was like that was that was kind of bummy. But uh, being able to be there and just sit there and experience everything I was experiencing, it was just it was great. Uh, all in all, that was a great all in all experience. So. Um, I feel like it was when we was uh, when I was at the combine and it was just I, I walked through Lucas Oil again uh, after because we won the Natty there too. So when I walked through it again, it was like by seeing how the combine and the forty uh, set up on the sideline thing. It's like I mean, this is what I used to watch like growing up when I was a uh, when I was a little kid on YouTube, thinking like oh, I want to do that. I can't wait till I make it to that moment. Going through this process, do you feel like? You have a good handle of of where you're gonna land. Like, are you looking up cities at this point, trying to figure out like where where am I gonna eat over here? Where do I need to be shopping for houses? Or is it kind of like like are you getting an indication from like visits or maybe interests from like the online uh you know meetings and stuff, the virtual meetings? Or is it really just like a your guess is as good as mine? <laughs> you know, I, I could kind of piece up the information, but there's only so much I can go off of. Yeah, it is. Uh, your guess is good as mine, you know. As far as I don't know who interested, who who uh, who think like how they think uh, thinking about me not being able to participate in certain things, me getting my body right and things like that. So I really don't know. Uh, I really don't know like who going to take me. I know that I'm. Uh, no matter what, I'm going to the draft. I got invited. It's, it was a big. I was. My family was happy. We was big. So I'm like, look, I'm going. We going. I'm gonna have fun, you know. Uh, I'm not not a lot of people get this opportunity to do this, so I'm gonna have fun. I'm gonna enjoy it regardless. So you were a five star recruit. You came in with big expectations, but still, we don't. There are still plenty of five star recruits that don't pan out. Like at what point in Georgia, whether it's freshman, sophomore, junior, or even this past season, where you made a play and you're like, oh, mm-hmm. I'm I'm good. Like I'm here. I know I can do this, and I'm probably gonna go to the NFL. <laughs> um. It was never – I never doubted myself. So my goal my goal has always been be successful in the NFL and have a great success in the NFL. So making it to the NFL was part of that goal. Um, so I never doubted that I was going to make it. It was just like when I, when everything was going to click. I had to trust the plan. I had to work. Um, of course, when I first got there, everything was like, man, um, I was – Nobody was telling me when to wake up. Nobody was telling me to go to school. Nobody was telling me to come to practice and this and that. So I basically had to learn how to do that. I had to learn how to do certain things. So when I was able to finally get that down, I feel like after that, that's kind of when I knew it was like, okay, this is this is possible. You know, after like really after the first spring, um, I was like, man, I can do this. And um, I mean, I play ball. It, it, this not this not nothing but uh, what I've been doing all through high school. So it was like that's kind of how I looked at it. Did you have to learn the hard way, like Tuck cussing you out for missing a meeting or showing up late to breakfast, like that type thing? Um, no, nah, it wasn't. I learned the hard way from the aspect of me staying up all night, then having to wake up, and I'm in a meeting like uh, tired, like oh, right. I'm in practice. I'm in, I'm in spring practice, tired. Like, I had to, I learned that hard way. But as far as no, nah, I made sure I was I was kind of on my thing, but. Uh, I mean, on my stuff, I learned the hard way. I feel like all like all the things that I went through at Georgia's from far as my first spring. I remember they had it. They had man. I still remember to this day having the blitz and the beat the A and B gaps. And they having um, Big Cleveland, um, Solomon McKinley, wow. Trey Hill, Andrew Thomas, uh, Isaiah uh, Isaiah Wilson, and all up, NFL up there, players, first round picks. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Up there in that O line. And I'm running, and I and I got no moves at all. I'm just running straight, and they knocking, <laughs> they just knocking me out. So I feel like I feel like all that kind of like helped me, helped me and shaped me who I am. As far as like iron sharpens iron, who's the best player you played against this year? Like who who's the guy you came out of the game? You know, SEC schedule, all that, or maybe even the playoffs, mm-hmm. and you were like, that dude can play. That dude is doing stuff that I haven't seen anyone other than that dude do before. So I mean, I definitely on film you see a lot. You see a lot of that. Um, now, as far as in the game, 
I had to give I had to give, I gotta give my big respects and ups to um uh Bryce Young. Of course, I mean he won the Heisman, so it, it, it's easy for me to say this, but at the same time, we knew he was good, but the way he was able to keep his uh poise, uh the way we when even when we did a lot of things, we weren't able to get a lot of um pressures on him, the way he was able to keep his eyes downfield when you right in his face and move out the way. It was just it was a little different when you finally played him. I, I definitely had to give I, I definitely got to give my props and notes to him. What about the best player in practice at Georgia? Oh, and in practice? Yeah, it's it seems like George Pickens would be a hell of a practice player. I, I, I was just been, I was just going to say George. Um, <laughs> so George came in killing everybody. George came in. Uh, him like, and Dumb. Yeah, him and Dumb Blaylock. Them two together, you know, Dumb guy, he finally coming back. So I'm excited to see see him next season. But him and Dumb, uh, Dumb Blaylock, man, they was freshmen. They was killing. I feel like it was in practice. Like, we couldn't stop him uh, singing. And George, um, what Dumb had got hurt, so he kind of sidelined him. But George, uh, before he got hurt in the spring, he was, like, unstoppable. Because nobody uh, really stopped him at practice. But I feel like George was probably one of the best players uh that I had to play again when I was there. All right, uh, Nakobe, thank you so much for the time. We really appreciate you joining us. And all the luck to you in the upcoming NFL draft and your future NFL career. Definitely. Thank y'all. Thank y'all for having me. Get some sleep, man. <laughs>